everyone. This is Creation Care Conversations. My name is Jenna Van Donselaar, Connecticut Field Organizer for Young Evangelicals for Climate Action. And I'm Doug Clark. I'm a retired UCC pastor and I also serve on the Guilford Conservation Commission. Jenna and I have teamed up to produce a series of podcasts on Christianity, the faith that we hold in common, and the intersecting crises of global warming, the coronavirus pandemic, and systemic racism. Today, we're going to briefly talk about some things in local environmental news. In our home state of Connecticut, Doug and I have been watching an urban infrastructure crisis unfold. This past week, 2.1 million gallons of untreated sewage spilled into the Mill River, which subsequently leaked into New Haven Harbor and possibly Long Island Sound, and then the Atlantic Ocean. The spill was caused by a break in a deteriorating 30-inch diameter pipe. Swimming, boating, and fishing in the Mill River in New Haven was discouraged because of this massive sewage spill, as you can imagine. Several beaches closed during cleanup until water sample tests along the shoreline indicated safe water quality. In a press conference, New Haven Mayor Justin Elliker said he was concerned that the city really didn't know how big the spill was to, until about actually a day and a half after the leak was discovered. The Greater New Haven Water Pollution Control Authority says a sewage pipe was due to be replaced on Whitney Avenue near the New Haven-Hamden line on Tuesday, but the project start date ended up being a day late. So apparently on Monday, July 6th, at about five o'clock in the morning, the operations manager for the Water, Patrol, water Pollution Control Authority got a call that there was water running down the street on Whitney Avenue. And what he said was the pipe, this 30-inch diameter pipe, was corroded on the top weakening it enough so it could not support the weight above it. So the corrosion led to the collapse of the pipe, which led to a blockage in that sewage line. And then everything that was flowing in that line uh, forced out was forced out, on, out of the pipe and onto Whitney Avenue, and then into catch basins that feed into the nearby Mill River. In a statement from the Department of Energy and Environmental Protection, they said they didn't see any solid waste, and also they didn't recommend using chlorine. They said, I guess this is reassuring, that the potential for bacterial impacts typically goes away after 48 hours. They also said they didn't find, see any evidence of fish kill during their monitoring that wrapped up last Tuesday, but a local NBC station observed a number of dead fish in the Mill River New Haven. City officials and environmentalists said it could have been from lack of oxygen due to bacteria in the sewage that's built into the river. But in any case, health officials warned people that they definitely needed to stay out of the water. The pipe has since been fixed, thankfully, but this disaster is just one of many ways in which our physical environment and our world rests in precarity. Doug, I'm curious what you think about this circumstance. When I heard about the spill, I felt a sense of dread and shock. It was a reminder of the contingency of this existence, of how easily things could be uprooted rooted through a corroded pipe. Um, and I felt a loss of control. Um, thinking about the contamination of rivers also brings to mind a whole, whole slew of symbolism for me. What does water mean to you, Doug? 
as a Christian, as an environmentalist, and as a human being? Well, thanks, Jenna. As a Christian, first of all, I think of the role that water plays in the three great biblical narratives, the Exodus story, the exile story, and the story of Jesus, or what I like to call the embodiment story, where Jesus is understood as the Word of God become flesh. The Exodus story, as we all know, is bookended by two water crossings. The first at the Red Sea, or the Sea of Reeds, as it's sometimes called. Um, and then at the end of the journey, the crossover to the Promised Land through the Jordan River. And in the middle of the Exodus story, in the middle of the desert, the journey through the desert, the people are about to die of thirst when Moses strikes the rock with his staff and life-giving water flows from the rock. One of the most poignant expressions of the anguish of the exile in Babylon is Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and there we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there, we hung up our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs and our tormentors asked for mirth saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? In 1970, actually, a Jamaican vocal trio, the Melodians, set these words to reggae music. It's a delight to listen to and easy to sing along with, and I've been listening it, and it's been in my head for the past couple of days. Water also plays an important role in the story of Jesus. In baptismal liturgies, for instance, we say of Jesus that he was nurtured in the water of Mary's womb, baptized by John in the water of the Jordan, became living water to a Samaritan woman at the well, and sent his followers into the world to make disciples of others through baptism by water and spirit. And as environmentalists, I think back to 50 years ago to the first Earth Day. In 1970, the Cuyahoga River in Cleveland was so polluted that it would occasionally catch fire. The Kenduskeg Stream in Bangor, Maine, where I went to seminary, was an open sewer. But through the Clean Water Act, which followed not long after the first Earth Day, Streams and rivers and lakes are a lot cleaner now than they were in 1970. On the other hand, our water resources are still under threat. Think of the poison drinking water crisis in Flint, Michigan, or the water protector protests at Standing Rock that were led by indigenous youth, indigenous youth sorry, and the recent spill of 2.1 million gallons of untreated sewage into the Mill River in New Haven. So Jenna, I'm curious uh, about what you think too. Do you think this sewage spill is a matter of environmental justice? And how do you see it relating to the environmental crisis and to climate change? Yeah, thank you for sharing all that, Doug. Um, what comes to mind for me is an old saying that a biology teacher um, in my undergrad used to say, um, he would say, do to those downstream of you as you would have those upstream do unto you. Sort of a twist of the golden rule. Right. Uh, but he really lived this out. He worked in a watershed restoration project and was really passionate about making sure that those who lived upstream were making sure that the water downstream of them was just as clean or cleaner than it started out so that we could have justice across throughout the watershed. Um, and I'm not sure of the dynamics in New Haven of who lives upstream and who lives downstream. But in many American cities, those who live upstream tend to be wealthier, whiter, more affluent communities, and those who live downstream tend to get the waste from these communities. 
this brings to mind um, Pope Francis's encyclical, um, Laudato Si, um, in which he talked quite a bit about our culture of waste and our cultural forgetfulness and disposal. Um, he even said, our industrial system at the end of its cycle of production and consumption has not developed the capacity to absorb and reuse waste and byproducts. We have not yet managed to adopt a circular model of production capable of preserving resources for present and future generations while limiting as much as possible the use of non-renewable resources, moderating their consumption, maximizing their efficient use, reusing and recycling them. A serious consideration of this issue would be one way of counteracting the throwaway culture which affects the entire planet. But it must be said that only limited progress has been made in this regard. So this is meaningful to me because I think that the sewage spill is an indication of our culture of waste. Um, I know that sewage is not something we want to keep around and not something that we want to keep with us, but it's a culture of not thinking about those things that we produce that are ugly and just letting them float away downstream. Um, and I'm thinking a lot about what that means as a Christian to forget about the waste that I produce, um, to think about, to forget about um, the ways that our systems are perhaps putting um, members of our community at risk in ways that I'm not at risk. Um, so that I can continue a lifestyle of comfort, of throwing things away, of moving quickly through the world um, without an ethic of care that really looks at the full cycle of consumption and waste and use. So as this crisis in New Haven has been averted and mitigated, um, I recognize that our systems of abuse and disposal are, are really not life-giving. They're not sustainable for a thriving planet. They're not sustainable. I mean, if, if we delay the replacement of a pipe by one day, is that really going to cause 2.1 million gallons of sewage to flow into the river? I'm concerned about what that looks like for our future. Um, we are part of a community in New Haven, and this community lives along the water's edge. We're part of a community, wherever you are, that relies on your watershed. Wherever you are, you are connected through the waterways. How can we continue to love our neighbors when sea level rise, infrastructure failure, and other environmental crises threaten the well-being of our communities? We're all connected through the water. Well, that's a really good point about our connection through the watersheds and also the big question about, you know, how does love of neighbor factor into the way in which we manage our water resources and, and the way that we manage, um, you know, all the waste that we generate. I mean, in in our case, the waste that we generate ends up being tr trucked to Hartford and burned in an incinerator and causing high asthma rates among communities of color in, in Hartford. So, you know, but that has to change, but there's not a whole lot I can do today to change that. But in any case, Jenna and I are going to be continuing to have these kinds of conversations and we really are talking about and thinking about what these environmental crises mean to us as Christians. 
and if there's something in particular that you, our listeners, would like uh, to hear us discuss, or if you'd like to be a guest, talk about some of these issues, please let us know. But thank you so much for joining us, and we hope in, we hope that you'll tune in again. Yeah, thank you, Doug. Um, a heads up, in our next episode, we'll be having a guest conversation partner, Lindsay Harper. Lindsay is the National Corps Support Team Coordinator for Arm in Arm for Climate. We are excited about our upcoming conversation with her and we hope you'll tune in. Until next time, thanks. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Creation Care Conversations. New episodes will be out every other Friday. We hope you'll listen to future episodes.